You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. Give me a go, no, go for launch. Booster. Go. Retro. Go. Vital. We go fly. Guidance. Guidance, go. Surgeon. Go flight. Ecom. We're go flight. GNC. We're go. Telmuse. Go. Control. Go flight. Procedures. Go. Inco. Go. FAO. We are go. Network. Go. Recovery. Go. Capcom. We're go flight. Launch control. This is Houston. We are go for launch. Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Professor Charles Porterfield and Hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again to the Now You Know Show live and on the air tonight. And thank you all so much for all the kind notes and letters and just lovely telegrams, everything that we got here over the last two weeks while I was out sick. Thank you so much for all your your well wishes. It was very nice. I certainly appreciated it while I was recovering, and I am back and in the saddle. So get ready 
for a hot time tonight. We are going to have, I hope, an excellent show. Well, first of all, let me tell you that today is, of course, the first day of autumn. Welcome to it. So, uh, happy first day of autumn to you. If you acknowledge it or uh, if it's a part of your worship, a happy Mabin to you. But there are a lot of other things you might not know about today. Today, oh yes, today is also World Rhino Day. That's true. It's also World Car-Free Day. Now, of course, it's the first day of fall, but it's also National White Chocolate Day. It's also National Ice Cream Cone Day. Did you know that? Bet you didn't. It's also National Elephant Appreciation Day, as well as the International Day of Radiant Peace and Business Women's Day. But none of that has resulted in the stir that has happened here at our studio. What has happened here today uh, that has caused such a stir is that today, September 22nd, is also Proposal Day. It is Proposal Day. And so throwing caution and plans to the wind, I must tell you that this very day, middle of the afternoon, we were sitting down going over the show. And I don't know if you all know this, but uh, uh, although this show sounds to you as if it just happens live, right, like we just make it up as we go along, actually, it's a fairly rehearsal event. Um, We go in, we talk about what news we're going to talk about, what we want. Uh, Normally, Wink brings us a huge list of events that happened uh, on a particular date, and we as a team say, well, you know, I'm not too interested in that, or yes, we definitely want to mention that. We go over this, that, and the other things, current events. We talk a bit about the pontification. Johnny and I lay out the music. Uh, Sometimes Miss Loretta actually makes the recipe that she's going to have for the show for us. Um, in our little break room, and we all get a little taste of it beforehand. And today, at our afternoon meeting, uh, quite a stir happened here, because our own uh, man with the plan, Count Goulash, and Miss Loretta, just up and eloped. They had been planning a wedding for next year, and they just said, nope. And they literally just up and eloped, left the building, got into a car, drove for Oklahoma. Just left and drove to go to Oklahoma to get married in Oklahoma because they didn't need the same sort of, you know, license nonsense to do that. They took Wink Winkerson along with them uh, as best man, stopped along the way to pick up one of Miss Loretta's friends for their maid of honor, and they're gone. So... No wink tonight for the news. We're going to have to have a stand-in. <laughs> no Miss Loretta for a uh, recipe. We've got a stand-in for that. So here we go, folks. It's a, it's a whole new show tonight. <laughs> and now over to the L 
MC Radio Newsroom, where our own technician, Johnny, is standing by with the news. Take it away, Johnny. All right, thank you there, Professor Porterfield. Uh, this is the news. Today is Thursday, September 22nd, the 266th day of 2016. There are 100 days left in the year. And uh, autumn began today at 10.21 a.m. Eastern Time. Tomorrow and Saturday are auspicious days to can fruits and vegetables mow to slow growth, brew beer, and get married. So I guess that's why that happened. The 23rd and the 24th will be good days to plant seed beds and flower gardens, as well as good days for transplanting, and fine planting days for fall potatoes, turnips, onions, carrots, beets, and other root crops. The 23rd and 24th are also the best days for morning fishing. Today's highlight in history comes to us from September 27, 1776. During the Revolutionary War, when Captain Nathaniel Hale, 21, was hanged as a spy by the British in New York. Also on this date, in 1792, the First French Republic was proclaimed. In 1862, President Abraham Lincoln uh, issued the preliminary Emancipation Proclamation declaring all slaves in rebel states should be freed as of January 1st, 1863. In 1927, Gene Tunney successfully defended his heavyweight boxing title against Jack Dempsey in the famous Long Count fight in Chicago. In 1949, the United Soviet Union exploded its first atomic bomb. In 1964, the music, musical Fiddler on the Roof, starring Zero Mostel as Tevye of the Dairyman, opened on Broadway, beginning a run of 3,242 performances, and the Secret Agent series, The Man from Uncle, starring Robert Vaughn and David McCallum, premiered on NBC TV. Finally, in 1975, Sarah Jane Moore, formerly of the Manson family, attempted to shoot President Gerald R. Ford outside a San Francisco hotel, but missed. Moore served 32 years in prison before being paroled on December 31st, 2007. Today's LMC birthday greetings go out to... Baseball Hall of Famer Tommy LaRosa, who is 89. Actor Paul Amat is 71. Musician King Sonny Ade is 70. Rock singer David Coverdale of Deep Purple is 65. Actress Sherry Belafonte is 62. Singer Debbie Boone is 60. And singer-musician Joan Jett is 58. Our thought for today comes from George Eliot, English author. Born 1819, died 1880, who said, Delicious autumn, my very soul is wedded to it, and if I were a bird, I would fly about the earth, sinking the successive autumns. 
This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom. And we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the lucky numbers. Lucky number. Oh, dreaming of lucky numbers. Hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstition. Or even make me suspicious. Table with 13 dishes. It will make me. That's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man. Well, okay. Put my trust in you for dust. Cause you know someday may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, thank you, the in heaven. Lucky number for me. And you need not just trust in Goofer Dust as advised by the Nicholas Brothers because we have got the lucky numbers and card for you here each and every week. Brought to us courtesy of ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not stop on by there and take a look? And the lucky numbers this week are 14, 17, 25. 33, 36, and 49. Once again, those lucky numbers this week are 14, 17, 25, 33, 36, and 49. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 117. That's 117. 363, that's 363. And 898, that's 898. And that 898 is particularly hot right now. The card of the week is the Five of Diamonds, a meadow of flowers, rewards from wise choices and abundance. This week sees profits coming from teamwork, and partnerships begun earlier in this month and last week. This is a week to carefully enjoy the wealth and proceeds that you have gained through hard work and smart decisions. But be careful to not overspend or overengage in point of purchases during this next week. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday. So check in with the Now You Know show to get all the numbers and cards when they first come out. And if you hit, <laughs> remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, Cooking with Miss Loretta. Except this week, it's Cooking with Patchy Fog.
this case with me. Tonight, I'm going to be uh, telling you all how to make a favorite in my house, Patchy Fogg's Burgers. Now, Patchy Fogg's Burgers, the prep time for this is 15 minutes. The total time should be about 35 minutes, and it makes between four and eight servings. The ingredients you're going to need for this recipe are two pounds of ground chuck. And I highly recommend that you get your butcher to grind that chuck for you while you wait. Please make sure to use a good USDA beef for that as well. When you skimp on your beef, you're just going to end up with a poor project. Also, you will need one green pepper chopped, four cloves of garlic diced, one yellow pepper chopped, two Sweet Texas 1015 onions. One of these will be sliced. One will be one green onion diced. One teaspoon of oil. One half a cup of breadcrumbs. I like to make my breadcrumbs fresh. You can just do that. You can just toast you up a piece of bread. Put it in a plastic bag. Take a rolling pin to it. Lettuce, tomatoes, four Kaiser rolls, and sliced sharp cheddar cheese. Now, the directions for these burgers are as follows. First, set aside the sliced Sweet Texas 1015 onion for later. Then saute your peppers, garlic, yellow, and green onions with oil on medium heat for about eight to 10 minutes. Combine the peppers, garlic, green onion with the meat and the breadcrumbs in a large bowl, mixing well by hand. And then separate them out into four to eight patties. Some of y'all will prefer to do eight patties. I like to do it four. I like my burgers big, and you will find that they are juicier and better if you only make four out of this. But if you have a larger family, then obviously go ahead and make you eight. Once your patties are made, grilling is preferred. However, if you don't have a grill for some reason, uh, pan frying will do uh, in such harsh conditions. After your patties have been fried or grilled, saute the sliced sweet Texas 1015 onion for a few minutes until clear. In the pan or on the grill, you just cooked your burgers on. All right? And then place your sauteed onions on top of the cooked burgers. Place cheese on top of the burger at the end uh, of your grilling to allow it to have time to melt. No one wants a burger with a cold piece of cheese on it. Please remember to warm your buns. Then brush your buns with oil and then let them sit in your pan face side down for about a minute. Burgers served on cold buns are disgusting. And then finally, and of course, 
you can use your lettuce and tomato. They are added here into our recipe this evening, primarily for decorative purposes only. I hope you enjoy these burgers as much as my family and I have over the years. And uh, I'll probably never be back to do this again. Anyway, off we go now to Professor Porterfield and the pontification. Thank you, Patchy. All right. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. There's Patchy's own uh, the Patchy, Patchy Fog Burgers, folks. Uh, you got the recipe. It's in the chat room. Hope you all enjoy it. Up next, this week's Professor's Pontification. This week, we're going to talk about sex. Spinderella cut it up one time. Let's talk about 
horse salt and pepper with Let's Talk About Sex and Troll Towelhead, the Grand Mufti of Satanism and Chief Engineer at the LMC Radio Network, gets half a brownie. And Susan Barnes gets the other half of that brownie because Susan got the group. So there you go. That leads us into this week's pontification. Now, we've talked about sex before, so the question comes up, why are we talking about it again? Well, there's a little story behind that. <clears throat> this Earlier this week, on Monday, my brother Candelo Cambisa and his co-host Michael Carell had on Madame Nadia, from AIR, the Association of Independent Readers and Workers, and they discussed ethics, uh, about ethics in uh, spirituality and in the work we do. And I happened to call in on the show and gave a little bit of my opinion as well. They were kind enough to have me on there. And during that show, one of the things I brought up was sexual ethics. And some of the kind of strange little things that some people have been known to get up to. And I received a letter this week because of that. And so Amy, Amy, who, uh, by the way, Amy is in Missouri. Amy wrote to us and she said that she thought it was a little strange that I, of all people, would be talking about sexual ethics when I myself am the author of The Sporting Life, uh, using hoodoo from, you know, from the streets to the sheets. And what was a little odd by that is I was a little surprised that Amy had taken that attitude. And this led to a, a little correspondence between I and Amy in Missouri, and we got it all settled up, and I thought, well, maybe this is kind of interesting kind of point of view, so I thought I would bring it to the pontification tonight. In addition to that, those of you who are regular fans of the show know that the pontif pontifications go through cycles meaning we did uh, one group of pontifications, then another, then the third, and we have been doing the fourth uh, group of pontifications. And this week, we will begin the fifth set of pontifications here on the Now You Know show. And this entire fifth set of pontifications, I can say that word, is dedicated to answering questions or points from you, the audience. So if there is a subject or a question that you would like to hear the professor pontificate about on the show, write us a letter. You can send your letters to profporterfield at gmail.com with the topic, subject, or question you would like to have discussed during the pontification on the show. And we'll be doing that for, well, a couple of months. Get your letters and notes in. Remember, once again, you can send those letters and notes to Prof Porterfield, P-R-O-F, Prof Porterfield at gmail.com. And I'll be taking those letters and they will become the topic base for our fifth series of pontifications on 
the show. So now let's get into Amy's. First of all, I don't see that there is any contradiction between the fact that I am the author of The Sporting Life and yet talk about sexual ethics on the behalf of workers, magical and spiritual workers. There is a bit of, hmm, how do I want to put this? There is some blindness when we come to the matter of sex and a good deal of hypocrisy. You see, one can talk about the sporting life and talk about it clearly, honestly, openly, not only as a matter of history, but as something that's going on right now. Listen, folks, this is not, you know, this isn't just, you know, old-time stuff like way back in the day there was a sporting life and there ain't no more. No, there is still one. And talk about that and talk about it, as I said, honestly, openly, and yet still be in favor of sexual ethics. They're not mutually exclusive. There's a lot of flim-flam. There's a lot of hypocrisy and a lot of naysaying and a lot of pearl-clutching, particularly around the issue right off the bat. Let's just take them in order as we go. Prostitution, as an example. Prostitution is not necessarily unethical. Prostitution in and of itself is not necessarily, you know, how, how is this an unethical issue? This is a, a business matter. In fact, there are quite, quite a various ethics that transpire in the world of prostitution amongst prostitutes, amongst clients, etc. This isn't just a free and easy as you like sort of thing. There are standards, there are manners, there are you know, there is correct and incorrect behavior. There's socially acceptable and unacceptable actions within the world of prostitution. And therefore, again, it is not at loggerheads that one could write about prostitution, particularly in light of hoodoo, and at the same time talk about sexual ethics. Then there comes the question of, well, do we really need to discuss sexual ethics in root work? in hoodoo, in the magical community, in the community of spiritual workers? And my answer is, of course we do. Of course we do. Because the only reason we do not, in general, discuss sexual ethics in our community, in our society, is out of a lot of puritanical nonsense. Sex is a part of life. It exists. Most people are going to, at some point in time, have sex. Hopefully they're going to have enjoyable, safe, consensual, healthy, you know, sex that's good for them, that's good for their partners, that furthers their lives, that they like, that they enjoy. But when we attempt to make this some sort of a backstreet thing or something in the shadows or something that we don't, you know, talk about. Nice people don't talk about sex. Well, then all you're doing is encouraging 
a system in which people will not have productive, healthy, happy, fulfilling, honest sex. You are repressing it. And thus you are creating repressed people who will have repressed sex. So yes, I do believe that discussions, open and frank discussions about sex and sexuality are appropriate in pretty much every system that we have in our lives. What they do, where they go, where it's, what's it, what is it about? And certainly there is a need for a discussion about sexual ethics inside the magical community. So let me be very frank with you. When I'm talking about sexual ethic inside the magical and spiritual community, where I go to first is this discussion about using sex or using power, I should say more accurately, using power over other people to coerce sex out of them, to gain sex out of them through the use and abuse of power. And I'll be quite frank with you and tell you what I consider that. I consider that to be rape. I'm sorry. I just consider that to be rape. I don't think that you have to grab somebody and throw them down and tear their clothes off and hold a gun to their head and force yourself on them, and then that's the only way rape happens. I think rape happens when you use coercive power against another individual to obtain sex from them. Now, some people will disagree. But when you threaten someone's livelihood, someone's life, someone's health, someone's safety to obtain sex, to me, that's pretty much rape. So how does that figure into the topic of the magical and spiritual community? Well, when we have problems with this issue, and we do have problems with this issue, what we see the most, not solely, but what we see the most is a situation in which the magician, the priest, the root worker, the whoever, the person in power, coerces the client, the student, etc., into obtaining sex. Meaning they don't just say, hey, you know, uh, outside of whatever we're doing here, you seem like a nice person, blah, 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 you want to go out and have a drink, you want to go back to my place, you want to have sex, and then the other board. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about tricks. We're talking about oh, well, uh, you have to let me do, you have to do, for this to work, you have to take your clothes, you have to come over here in this room with me by, if you need, you need to send me this, that, and the other thing, etc. cetera. 
And that coercive and it's it's disingenuous and it's sleazy and it's fucking evil, quite frankly, in my book. So how does this take place? Well, let's look at the structure of the relationship, first of all. When you're going to someone who is a magical or spiritual worker, you're primarily not going for shits and giggles. You're not just going for a lark. There are some people who do. Uh, Let's be honest about this. There are some people that just go to a magical or spiritual worker as a matter of entertainment. They just want, you know, like, or they just want their cards read. They're not really interested in, you know, uh, what the future holds for them. They don't really believe that the worker has any power. They are just going to go and have somebody read their cards. But most people that go to a magical or spiritual worker are going to them because they have a need whatever that need may be. Um, They need this, they need that, they need whatever. And because they are in need, that means that when they are dealing with someone who is unethical, they are in a vulnerable position. We've talked about this before on the show. We've talked about it in terms of people who are in medical need and people who are heart sick. And I'll go over that again. Listen. If you had cancer and someone said to you, um, I have a 100% cancer cure, it works every time, every single time. All you have to do is put this live chicken in this paper bag okay, and spin it around your head while screaming like a mad person and run through the streets, and you'll be cured of cancer. And here are 500 people who I have helped who all have had cancer, and none of them had cancer again, and here are all the doctor's tests to prove it. Every single one of us who was in that situation would be running down the street screaming, waving a bag with a live chicken in it above our heads, okay? Who wouldn't? Who would say, well, my dignity precludes me doing that. I would much rather die of the cancer. Well, there might be one or two people out in the world, but most people are going to be running down the street spinning a bag with a chicken in it, okay? Because you're vulnerable. You're in need. Right? You'd do anything not to have cancer. You'd do anything to get the person who you love back in your life. All right? So that means that the person who has the need is vulnerable to the unethical person. All right? That means that here's a relationship. You're supposed to go. Go to the worker. You're supposed to be able to trust them. You're supposed to be able to trust them to have confidence. You're supposed to be able to trust them that they keep your information in confidence. You're supposed to be able to trust that they are not just taking the money from you and not delivering, that they're actually going to get something for your money, etc., etc., etc. And you're also supposed to be able to trust that they are not going to take advantage of your vulnerability in whatever way we all know and we've all heard the stories of workers taking advantage of the vulnerability of a client in terms of money we hear this from every sector of life 
it's not just hoodoo practitioners or spiritual workers. It's all sorts of people take advantage in a monetary way from people that have a vulnerability. You hear doctors have done this. Lawyers have done this. Business people do this. All sorts of people. Car mechanics. This is a common story of someone saying, well, you've got the need, so I can charge you more, right? Sometimes it is there is a price change that is appropriate, meaning these are my hours of operation, and if you want me to make a special case for you to operate outside of my hours of operation, then I charge extra. You see that when sometimes when you call a tow truck, when you call a, a, a plumber in the middle of the night, when you got to have the air conditioning guy come and work on your air conditioning at midnight because you live in Texas and it's 200 degrees outside, you do have to pay more because you're operating outside of the normal hours. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about here's a person who has a vulnerability. Because they have a vulnerability, the, the unethical individual in whatever business they're in knows that they can charge more. Sometimes – Exaberant, some, some ridiculous fees, ridiculous fees. And we've all heard of those people who have gone to certain quote unquote spiritual workers and ended up paying tens of thousands of dollars, as an example. And none of us, in general, says things like, uh, well, you know, if you had that much money, why weren't you, you know, well, don't you think she kind of wanted to spend that money? Well, what were you wearing when you paid all that money? Um, uh, well, how, you know, you're a grown-up. How could you not have under – we understand that these people are getting cheated, that there's fraud going on here. And in general, most of us are not afraid to talk about it. Most of us are not afraid to say, this is wrong. This should not be going on. But when you come to the topic of sex, all of a sudden – uh-oh, here, now, there are all these weird issues that people start bringing up. People start making excuses almost to say that it's okay, or that, well, it's none of their business, or the person should have known better, or whatever. And yet it's the same situation. You had a person who was vulnerable who was being exploited by the other person. In this case, they're being exploited to have you know, for some sort of sexual contact of some kind. The first thing you have to consider is that some of these events are not out-and-out sex. They're not what, you know, you and I would consider normal sexual relations between any two people or more. They're just sexual contact, like nudity, all right? So how can a person... Let's take let's say for a minute let's take say for a minute uh let's say there's someone who wants to get a spiritual bath. They don't want to be taught how to do a spiritual bath, they don't want to be sent the herbs to prepare a spiritual bath, they want to go someplace and have someone spiritually bathe them. That's not unheard of, it's not uncommon, and it's not wrong. And when they go there, the person that's going to bathe them makes uh you know, a lot of overt sexual things about it you know you must be naked you can't wear a shift as an example you must be naked i must touch you i have to touch you all sorts of places etc 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 if that person has never been involved in something like this before 
How are they expected to know that that is, in fact, not what you're supposed to do? How are they supposed to know that, oh, no, I mean, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm inexperienced. I don't know. I, I haven't had any knowledge about this. They say I'm supposed to do this. They're the professional. They're the expert. I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. Okay? In other words, they're just being lied to so that this other person can have this happen. That's one example. All right? Now, we also all know that, as an example, let's take in hoodoo. We know that there's a uh, use of concerns of, uh, you know, hair, blood, sweat, tears, uh, fingernail clippings, soiled clothing, etc. in certain works, in certain tricks and certain hoodoo works. All right. It's common. It's not strange. It's not unusual. Okay. And it's verifiable, meaning you can find that in a lot of places. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be, you know, initiated to suddenly know, not that there is an initiation hoodoo, but I mean that as a generalized term, to know that, in fact, that's a normative part. That's a normative part of hoodoo, right? Normative part. I don't think any of us are going to question that. Is there going to be a debate about that? No, come on. We all know it's normative. So, now, that being said, that being said, where are you supposed to find the line on your own? In other words, here's a worker. This worker says, for this piece of work I'm going to do for you, because you want me to do the work. You don't want me to teach you. You don't, you know. You don't want me to teach you how to do the work. You want me to do the work for you. Okay, and you're paying me. You're paying me to do the work for you. And I'm going to need you to send me some some of your hair. Some of your hair. A big hunk of it. Just some of your hair. Okay. Fine. Now, in a perfect situation, obviously, you have trust of your worker. You know that your worker is going to do the work that they're supposed to do, that they're not going to do some other work on you. And we'll come to that in a little bit. And that they will not allow this hair to fall into other people's hands and that they're not just going to throw it in the trash when they get it. They're actually going to use it, etc. So having understood everything I've just said, what happens when the worker says, I'm going to need some of your dirty panties for this spell. I need you to send me your dirty panties. Panties you have worn. Okay. Now we've already established that within the context of hoodoo as an example, there is clearly a use for those unlaundered panties. It's again, it's not weird, it's not unusual, it's not strange. And yet, we have tales, we have stories, we have contact, we have news, we have evidence of there being some disingenuous individuals, unethical individuals, who are just doing that to get dirty panties because they've got a sexual thing about it. Okay? Or we know, as an example, that vaginal fluid is used to dress certain candle as an example or a charm as an example 
that you would make in hoodoo. There's nothing shocking about that. There's nothing wrong about that. And yet we know and have heard and have evidence and see that we have, again, certain disingenuous workers who have told women to take candles and masturbate with the candle, wrap the candle up, and mail it to them. Many women. Oh, and along with a picture of you, too. So where do we find the line? The line, in my opinion, has to be a matter of trust. We must have trust. In other words, we have to create a system of trust. We must school ourselves. We must check ourselves. We must look out for each other. And we must be willing to listen to those individuals who are coming to us saying that there's a problem going on and not shame them so that they won't. This is the problem that we have with, quote, rape in our society. How many women do not report rape because they don't want to go through the bullshit they're going to be put through by the rest of society? Not by the rapist. The rapist has already done the horrible thing to them. The rapist has already raped them. The rapist has already just harmed their lives incredibly. But now we've got to deal with all these other people who are going to say all these other bullshit things, including law enforcement. So inside our own magical communities, what we must do is stop that kind of a setup. Stop being those people. Make it harmful for people to even discuss that something is going on, that something is going wrong someplace. Now, certainly, we can't go the other direction. We can't just accept everything that's said to us anytime, anywhere, by anybody. Oh, you know, so-and-so bit the head off of a wombat, and he poured the blood. Where the hell do you even get a wombat from? Okay. We have to, however, rid ourselves of our prejudices and squeamishness and hypocrisy and puritanical uptightness about sex so that individuals who are being sexually exploited can discuss the matter with us. We've got to get rid of our prejudgments. Now, the issue becomes, oh, but aren't you just making a mountain out of a molehill, Professor Porterfield? Is it really going on that much? Well, you've got to understand my set of standards before I can answer that for you. I consider pedophilic priests to be a part of what I'm talking about. I consider the pedophilia scandal within the Catholic Church to be a part of what I'm talking about. I consider pedophilia on the part of any clergy, anywhere. Rabbi, Baptist minister, Methodist, etc., 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 to be a part of what I'm talking about, because that is part of the spiritual community. I consider, uh, I consider blatant, rampant, and sometimes violent homophobia within the Palo community. 
to be a part of what I'm talking about. Okay? Etc., etc. So, under my definitions, oh, yeah, it's a huge goddamn problem. Oh, yeah, it's a huge problem. All right? And, again, as so many of these issues that I talk about here on the show, the only people that can do anything about it is us. Only you, okay? This is Smokey the Bear you, not the Bob Dylan you, okay? Can do anything about this. And there are problems within the pagan community. Um, one of the Frosts just died this last week or so ago. And, uh, well, there was quite a bit of a stir. That wasn't there. We had people excusing former behavior of the Frosts. Um, and if you don't know about them, go out and educate yourself. It involves, again, kind of some pedophilic uh statements made by them a long, long time ago that they've never really backed off of. So the, the, these problems exist in multiple communities. You can't just point a finger and say, well, it's only these people. If it was only those people, we'd probably do something about it. Well, maybe we wouldn't. I don't know. But we do have this as a problem. We also have the problem of money scams. Sure, we have the problem of money scams. We do have the problem of people abusing and taking advantage of sick people. And we do have the problem of people abusing and taking advantage of people with mental illnesses uh, as well. And this is all part and parcel in my book of a similar condition. But it is a rather – or at least we've made it a rather sensitive subject. And we shouldn't. I feel that we should all be grown up enough to talk about this. Because it's only by talking about this and getting it out in the open that we'll stop it. And it is necessary that we stop it. Look, first of all, it's necessary because there are people getting freaking abused for Christ. I mean, come on, man. What more did you need? What more did you need? What more did you need about, you know... Uh, uh, outside of that, uh, right there, there are people getting harmed. There are people getting messed over. There are people getting abused. There are people having their trust destroyed. There are people being harmed mentally and spiritually by this sort of behavior. You needed something else? Okay, well, here's something else. Uh, this is also puts a black mark on your community. If something like this is going on inside your magical or your spiritual community and you're not willing to be a force for change, well, guess what? Your community is getting a big black mark. And the thing that shocks me the most about these issues is how willing we are to blame the victim. How willing we are as a society to turn this around and say that in some sort of way, this is the fault of the victim. I, I don't understand that. I, I've never understood that. I've never understood why this is the fault of the person it happened to. And yet we hear it time and time again. We hear it in matters of rape. We hear that 
we cannot trust in the example in the example of pedophilia. We hear we cannot trust the testimony of children that they may just be trying to get attention, that they may just be trying to get an adult in trouble, and therefore we can't trust it. Now, what does it mean by trust it? Does it mean we see when people say that what they mean is they're being dismissive. They're not saying we need to investigate thoroughly. They're not saying we don't want a witch hunt here, and we don't. They're saying, well, you just got to you know, you gotta ignore that shit. Got to ignore that shit. Really, you just got to ignore it. You don't need to peer into it. You don't need to like actually investigate it. You just got to ignore it. Huh, I see. And then that attitude seems to just go from there, you know. Oh, well, the woman was asking for it. Well, they were stupid. Well, how could someone have gotten themselves in that situation? Well, I can guarantee you I would never be in that situation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We don't do that for other things. We don't really do that much for theft, do we? You don't hear a lot of that. I mean, I'm sure there are some. Uh, I'm sure there are some assholes who uh, say that. You know, about theft. But in general, we don't say that. In general, we don't say, uh, you know, when somebody gets armed robbery, we don't say, well, what were you wearing? Were you wearing a nice suit? Or, you know, could they, uh, c- could they, could they see your wallet? Uh, you know, uh, we don't normally blame the victim. We don't normally say, uh, oh, an arsonist burnt down your house. Oh. Wow, did you build a house out of flammable material? Boy, you were just kind of asking for it. Wood? Huh? Jeez, a house of wood. I just heard the story about the pigs and the wolf and the sticks. and We don't really do that. Again, there are some sons of bitches who do do that. But in general, as a society, we don't. In general, we don't say uh, murder. Well... You could tell they wanted to be murdered. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we don't say, uh, well, these reports of somebody being murdered, they're just trying to get attention. You know, look at him laying there with a knife in him. He's just, you know, not going to fall for his game. He's just trying to he's just trying to be the center of attention there with that knife in him, dead. We don't do that. But we do do it about sexual issues time and time and time and time again. We also, particularly in the magical and spiritual community, have a very nasty thing that I want to address head-on right now. And it comes under the heading of quote-unquote loyalty. Uh, Or die sort of thing. And in this, it is sort of silently expected, softly stated, that one should be loyal to one's fellows. Meaning that when you hear that uh, one of your fellows has engaged in inappropriate sexual behavior with a client, as an example, you should side with your friend. You should side with your friend, period. Just across the board, period. 
boom, you should side with your – and I have a problem with that. I'm not saying you should do the opposite. I'm not saying that when you first hear about it, you should say, of course, it must be true, uh, blah, 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 blah. There has to be a spirit of inquiry here. You have to say, um, well, what's going on? What was said? What evidence is there? What's happening? Talk to me. Show me who, what, where, when, how. All right? In dealing with that matter. Otherwise, if you're taking an attitude of, I'm going to be loyal to my friends no matter what, then you've just said that even if they are sexually abusing somebody, even if you – even if they are sexually abusing somebody, you're going to side with them. Even if they raped somebody, you're going to side with them. Even if they cheated somebody out of a million dollars, you're going to you're going to side with them. Well, now I'm going to be rather controversial right now and say to you that if that is your attitude, if you are saying this person and I are tight, and if they rape somebody, well, I'm going to side with them. If they murdered somebody, I'm going to side with them. If they robbed somebody for you know a, a penny, they just they robbed somebody. I'm going to side with them. No matter what they do, I'm I'm loyal. In my opinion, in my opinion, that makes you a rapist, a murderer, and a thief, just like them, just like them, just like them. Now. There's a lot of discussion going on in the chat room, and because of the way radio works and blog talk works and the internet works, uh, what I'm saying is uh, there's a pretty big gap tonight. Uh, there's a pretty big time gap tonight because you all are hearing things that I have said, oh, almost a minute ago and, re- and, and responding to them. So I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little in the future. Uh, I'm a little in the future. Uh, from you all, but I'm going to try to address some of the things that have come up um, in the chat room. And again, I am not suggesting or advocating a witch hunt. I'm not saying that when these issues come up in our community, we throw critical thinking out the window and just say, oh, oh, well, here's this charge. It must be true. Or, oh, here's this charge. And rather than uh, rather than investigating it, we're just going to assume it's or the stench of this. It's better. It's better to just get rid of somebody who even has attracted. No, what I'm saying is that we have to be open and honest and upfront about this shit. We have to say, okay, there's been a charge against somebody in our community. Now we have to look at that. We have to, we have to take a look at it. We have to be a part of that and see what it is. And we have to do so in a way that is open and honest. See, the problem here is this idea that somehow even the charge is as good as the crime. That's bullshit. If tomorrow somebody said, did you know Professor Porterfield was a spy for the, for the Russians? Okay, well, uh, we investigated and it turns out that it, no, Professor Porterfield is not a spy for the Russians. Idea, what, that's going to haunt me? It's ridiculous. 
come on, no. <laughs> oh, you're going to forever have to live under the shadow of that you might be a spy. No, we don't do it that way. We don't do that. We go, here's a charge, whatever, they investigated it, blah, blah, blah. Oh, this guy was a char- accused of murder, and they found out that he had nothing to do with the murder. He had an Iron Clan alibi. Well, you know, the dark cloud of murder is always going to hang over him. Well, you know what? Then that's the rest of society being fucked up. That's damned if you do and damned if you don't. We have to be adult about this. We have to be able to say there's been this charge of sexual, you know, sexual irregularity from this worker, and now we're going to look at it. And now, oh, okay, it didn't happen, and we move on. Not, well, do you think he might have really done? No, we did the thing. We investigated. That's why it's important that we have organizations that are peer review, that have codes of ethics, that have systems set up to review, to investigate, to enforce to some degree, uh, you know, within our communities. That's very important. Now that I've said all of that, okay, I'm now going to take this to a little different place. So here we go. We have just discussed sexual misconduct of abusing, using people who are in positions of vulnerability. All right? Now I want to talk about just sex. Okay, let's just talk about sex. It is important not to confuse these two things. If you were to hear that there was a a hoodoo worker and that they had had somebody as a client at one point in time and that now, nowadays, whatever it is, six weeks later, six months later, six years later, they're dating that client. They're going out together. They're having sex. Hell, they might even get married. That's not necessarily inappropriate. We're all grown-ups here, hopefully. And the fact of the matter is some workers and some clients are going to end up having sex. Where that is demonstrably Demonstratively, okay, uh, a matter of uh, of being sane, safe, okay, and 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 being uncoerced. All right, parties are in absolute agreement, okay, consensual. Then that's exactly what it is. It's consensual. It's consensual. We're not talking about an abuse of power. We're not talking about a worker saying, you must have sex with me too, or you must give me this too, or you must allow me to have some sort of inappropriate contact, touching, visual, whatever with you to achieve whatever. No, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is two people, two grown consensual adults have agreed that they kind of like each other and they've kind of got that fellow feeling and they want to get down with each other and they are having sex together. That's not wrong. That's a matter between two individuals. 
And we have to be able to separate that out. Just like we have to be able to not bring our sexual prejudices to discussions like this. Oh, well, did you hear so-and-so was gay? Who gives a damn? Well, did you hear so-and-so was a lesbian? Who cares? Well, did you hear so-and-so was transgendered? So what? That's not sexual misconduct. That's not anybody abusing anybody, okay? That somebody, well, I don't agree with it. Well, okay, you don't agree with it. That's cool. But that's not sexual misconduct. That's not unethical behavior. And I know spiritual workers, and in fact, I know hoodoo workers. I know hoodoo workers, good hoodoo workers, who are gay, who are lesbian, who are straight, who are transgendered, who are transsexual. I, I mean, I'm serious. I'm not making that up. I know. I, I know them. What, is it, what does it matter? What does it have to do with it? Well, it's kind of controversial, don't you? No, it's not controversial. You might be making it controversial, but it's not actually controversial. Then we have the issue of people wanting to bring something about sex into discussions like this under the argument or auspice of what is real hoodoo. Oh, Lord, if I had a nickel for every time we were going to have to discuss real hoodoo, I, I could retire. Well, you know, back in the old days, back in the old, you know, there was never before the Internet, there was never, uh, you know, gay people doing hoodoo. Really? Really? You know, I can disprove that in about five goddamn seconds. I mean, literally, it takes nothing to disprove that. In fact, that is so backwards a position, so untrue a position, that it borders on lunacy. I mean, absolute, just like, well, you're kind of, there's something wrong with you. You know, you've been living in a cave someplace, I guess. Or you've got such an axe to grind against gay people. You know, that's just, it's just patently not true. There is no way. It takes no time to prove it. And in fact, when you go to disprove it and someone argues with you about it, what they're showing you, meaning when you go, well, here's this fact, and here's this fact, and here's this fact, and here's this fact, and they keep making these excuses for this fact, that fact, this fact, what they're showing you is that they actually have some sort of a hang-up that they're trying to defend. And we see this about a variety of things. We see this about homosexuality. We see this about lesbianism. We see this about transsexuality. We see this about prostitution. We see this about prostitution. Oh, oh, well, you know, they're just, they're just, there's no real prostitution in hoodoo. There, you know, there, there just aren't that many clients involved in sex work. It's some rarefied thing. It's just not normal. It's a little questionable. It's, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Really? So I, I, let me just, I know I'm backwards in time here, meaning, well, actually, you all are backwards in time, and I'm far too forward in time here um, because we have this time gap here. But I'm going to ask a question, and then I'll have to come back to it so that I can get the answers. So here's, here's my question. Am I the only worker? Am I the only worker out there who has clients who are involved in sex work? Prostitutes, pimps, call girls, escorts, cam girls, 
uh, uh, phone sex workers at, at, at all. Is that just me? Just like show of hands in the chat room, kids, and I'll come back to it because I know you all are, you know, behind me. So I have to wait a few minutes, except Papa Newt. Papa, Papa Newt probably is actually can probably actually he- hear me. Um, Papa Newt, however, is no longer in the chat room. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, when you hear me say that here in a few minutes, answer me up and we'll come back to it. <coughs> I don't believe I'm the only one. I don't believe I'm the only one. None of my information experience shows me that this has not been a part of hoodoo for a long, long time. In fact, I am sure that right now someplace, somewhere, there are people who would be, who would be so bold as to say that gambling has nothing to do with hoodoo. There's, nothing, there's no hoodoo involved in gambling because they've got some sort of thing against gambling. But again, it's patently untrue. It's just patently untrue. You cannot – well, I guess you can. I, I mean, I guess you can. I guess you can do this. In America, you can do whatever you want. But it would be unwise of you to try to judge a system of work, spirituality, belief, cultural influence, etc., by your own prejudices. It would be really, really dumb to do that, but people are doing it. So what we've got is two problems at the end of the day. The first problem is that because of a certain lack of maturity, in my opinion, a certain lack of maturity, we are unwilling to openly discuss sexual and sexualized topics in an honest manner, and that that creates a shadowy loophole, a a darkened corner in which abusive and manipulative and sometimes seriously sick individuals can operate. And then the second problem from that is, therefore, we we also have a situation of a lot of prejudices that we then come in and bring on to situations that have to do with sex in which there is no abuse, there is no unethical behavior (coughs) at all. So there you go, folks. There's the topic of how can a man write a book about the sporting life and yet still be in favor of sexual ethics? Well, because the two ain't mutually exclusive. So it is my hope that we will all go forward be grown-ups, be mature, be open-hearted, be loving and kind to each other, and try to realize that, oh, since the world first started turning (laughs) until now, uh, sex has been a part of it, you know? And so maybe what we all need to do is just have a a little healing about this matter of sex.
That was, of course, Marvin Gaye with Sexual Healing. And I have to tell you, uh, Gabriel Swain, Susan Barnes, and Christy Porterfield all pretty much just went, Sexual Healing, Marvin Gaye! Sexual Healing, Marvin Gaye! Real quick, like, squeeing in the back. Ooh, Marvin Gaye, Sexual Healing! Ooh! And, and I was just like, wow, the three of you. Okay, so I'm not even going to try because of the lag and delay that we have today between chat and everything else and broadcast. I'm not even going to try to figure out who did that first. We're just going to hand out three brownies. Okay, so that's, that's Gabrielle Swain, uh, uh, Susan Barnes, and, and Christy Porterfield. And, and uh, okay, gals, you, you all got that one really fast. And, you know, I think that in his own way, uh, Marvin Gaye, just like all of us here at the LMC Radio Network, was just trying to send out a signal. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network, broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the Vanguard! The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hooter Rootwork Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, Sundays 3 to 4.30. Candela's Corner, starring Candela Cambisa and Michael Carell, Mondays 5 to 7. The Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, starring Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, Fridays 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And coming soon in October, a brand new show called Fit and Foxy on Wednesday nights with Madam Nadia and Susan Barnes from the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers. Be sure to check that out. And thank you, Troll Towelhead, Chief Engineer here at the LMC Radio Network, for that update of our shows here on the network each and every week. Before we go on, we have a situation here that I it's a little unusual. So we're going to we're going to see what it is. We have someone with their hand up. Now, maybe they don't mean to have their hand up, maybe they do, but we're going to take a moment and find out what that's all about. And so we're doing that right now. Caller from the area code 830. Area code 830 caller. You are on the air. Hello. Hello. Who is this? Justin. Hello, Justin. And why do you? What do you? What do you want to say? Um, I mean, I, the show is good. Uh, it definitely fits with uh, you know the situation. So, uh, what do you have to say? <laughs> Well, I just want—I just have to say thank you for calling in, Justin, and thank you for listening to our show. And now we're going to go back to it. Thanks for calling in. All right, so that was Justin just calling in to tell us the show fits, and that's great. Thank you so much. Up next, we got a little segment of the show we like to call Divination and You. 
right. Divination in you. This week we're going to be talking about egg divination. But also we're going to be doing this. Whoever can get the name it and claim it for this next song gets a whole pan of brownies. I'm a wholesome man, I try to treat my baby right. I'm a wholesome man, I try to treat my baby right. But I know she don't love me for she sings out late at night. Tell me, tell me, baby, what are you going to do? Tell me, tell me, baby, what are you going to do? Give your kid man all my money, let him wear out my good clothes, too. the work. If the cleansing 
is an in-person cleansing with an egg. The divination is performed with the very same egg that was used for the cleansing. And there are many different methods of egg divination. Um, and these are traditional to various cultures, having been passed down sometimes inside a family lineage, or they're used to look for certain conditions. Certain conditions. So eggshell divination, you will often see it used to uh, determine if someone has the evil eye on them. Uh, when reading an egg to determine whether an individual has got the evil eye on them, a whole raw egg in the shell is passed over the client's body or around their head. This is generally done according to a traditional pattern of work, and the egg is gently rolled along the skin uh, from the top of the person, uh, from their waist along both arms, their shoulders to their fingers, along their legs to their toes and heels. And then the egg may then be placed under the bed or elsewhere in the house, such as on a mantelpiece or on an altar, to be examined the next day. Or it may be immediately examined by having it cracked into a clear glass bowl or a glass uh, tumbler um, that is lightly filled or about halfway filled with water. If the egg is placed under the client's bed, the worker returns the next day to crack it open, either into a bowl or again into a glass that has, or bowl of water that has water in it, in order to be examined in front of the client. Now, before we go any further, let's stop right there and say this. This method of egg divination has unfortunately become you see it we see it from the past it's it's well known as a method of beginning a cheat or a con on a client you are told to keep the egg under your bed you're told to keep the egg under your pillowcase you're told to keep the egg on your person etc then you take the egg to the to the worker the worker opens up the egg and oh, there's something terrible in the egg. And it's right there for you to see. Okay. It's right there. It's blood. It's uh, something that looks like a little piece of hamburger. It's hair, black matted hair, etc. And so you must be careful with this. Um, it is best to have a situation where there's no opportunity for the egg to be replaced with another egg, a set egg that has been prepared beforehand. In fact, I'm going to say this. If you suspect that, you know, maybe some shenanigans are going on, uh, see if you can crack the egg yourself. I mean, after all, there's no real spiritual work in the cracking of the egg, is there? I mean, the egg is simply allowed to come into contact with the individual that may have a condition and then is broken into a container to be examined and the real skill here is coming in in the examination of the egg 
See if your worker will let you break that egg yourself in front of them into that container, that clear bowl, that bowl, that cup, that tumbler that may or may not have water in it. But do be careful because, again, this has been used in the past. It's very, very common. But that is not to say that all egg divination is a scam. It's not. There is a lot of very legitimate egg divination out there. It's very traditional. You see it in a lot of different cultures. In fact, there is even a Nordic egg divination. And the Nordic style of egg divination, only the white of the egg is used. The egg is pierced. Okay, And then the white is blown out of the egg, so it's pierced in two ends, and then the white is blown out of the egg into a clean glass of water, and it's left to sit in the clean glass of water until the next day, by which time the white will have formed patterns, which are interpreted uh, pretty much as a form of scrying, and Nordic egg divination can be performed um, on a person uh, immediately with them present or at a distance, at the discretion of the reader. Uh, egg divination can also be used on a secret problem. Another type of egg divination is performed by asking the client to hold a whole raw egg cradled in both hands while focusing on his or her question or the most pressing issue that they are experiencing. And the client should spend spends a little time in meditation of the issue with their eyes closed and then opens their eyes to show that basically they're ready to receive an answer. And the client is then instructed to immediately break the egg into a glass or bowl of water provided by the reader. And the egg is examined for marks that may indicate or uh, show answers to the client's question or the solution to the client's problem. And this is a form of reading that you can see immediately addresses that issue that I just discussed. Here, here that it, the individual is breaking the egg themselves. So you know that no, you know, no chicanery can take place. You, you yourself have an egg, you yourself break the egg, and then it's read for you. So that right there precludes that happening. Perhaps the most common form of in-person, face-to-face divination with an egg is that which is performed in order to determine um, the, the effectiveness of an in-person egg cleansing, as we discussed earlier. Then that, as we talked about, the egg was rolled over the client's body to remove negative conditions. It's then cracked into a bowl or glass of water and red. And if the signs are good then the work is considered to be finished. But if there are unfortunate marks, then the egg must be disposed of at once and the ceremony of egg rolling is repeated, sometimes several times if necessary until a good egg is the result of the divination. Of course, egg divination can be done at a distance and egg divination performed at a distance is used to determine if a client might have been cursed or jinxed or has fallen under the evil eye, as we talked about uh, earlier. And uh, it can be, again, performed at the end of a cleansing with an egg that's done at a distance. In this place, the egg is not actually rolled over the body. It may be placed on a, uh, it may be placed on a, a picture of the individual, etc. 
In terms of what is the meaning of various things, again, we look at this sort of symbolically, meaning like when we do scrying, what images or shapes are formed by the egg, the egg white, the egg yellow. Obviously, there are certain clear signs, such as when you find blood inside the egg, that's almost always a bad sign. Uh, double yolks are considered to be very auspicious. That's a very good sign. Oh, there are two yolks. Uh, that's considered very lucky. In fact, the opening of any egg that has double yolks is considered lucky, even if you're just in the kitchen cooking, like you're going to make a cake or you're going to fry an egg and you crack that egg open and it has double yolks. That's a very lucky sign. So it is my hope that you will spend some time this week going out and learning a little bit more about egg divination. It is a traditional form of divination in many cultures, and there are a lot of different methods by which it is done and particularly by which it is interpreted. And I hope that you will spend some time this week looking into that. And certainly egg cleansing does have an egg divination. The reading of an egg does have its place in hoodoo. Our information comes to us uh, for the Divination and News section each and every week, not only from our own knowledge, but from the wonderful and fine people at the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, available for your perusal at readersandrootworkers.org. And we thank them for their help in our segment each and every week and hope that you will go over and take a look there yourself. Up next, we're going to go into the kitchen where we're going to be talking, uh, well, not just about spice, we're specifically going to be talking about ginger. So yeah, ginger, ginger and spice. Yeah. Ginger and spice, both are so nice. Ginger's a beauty, spice is a cutie. I can't make my mind up, tell me who should it be? Which little she's better for me? Ginger and spice, oh, both are so nice. But if I choose one, I'm bound to lose one. So why marry either and be peppered with rice when I can have ginger and spice? Oh, ginger and spice, mm, both are so nice. But if I choose one, I'm bound to lose one. So why marry either and be peppered with rice when I can have ginger? I can have ginger. I can have ginger and spice. Oh, yes, and that was, in fact, Hoagie Carmichael with Ginger and Spice. And the name it and claim it brownie prize on that one goes to Catherine Ironwood. You got it, Hoagie Carmichael, indeed. Well, tonight we're going to talk about ginger. Now, ginger is related to a number of other spices. It's related to uh, both uh, Little John to Chew, uh, which, by the way, is sometimes called wild ginger, and it's also uh, related to that most amazing of all spices. Oh, yes, the I accentuate the flavor of anything I'm added to cardamom. 
and it is a very well-known medical, culinary, and confectionery route. Um, and there are several different species called wild ginger that are native to North American, uh, to North America, excuse me, and are not related to true ginger, uh, nor are they generally used as a culinary herb. Uh, but they do have a history of being employed as substitutes for imported ginger in rural magical work, probably because Native Americans used them in identical spells for protection from evil. Uh, in America, the best grade of imported ginger root used to be Jamaica ginger or Jamaican ginger. Uh, and uh, you uh, might be fascinated to know, and by the way, you can find in the sporting life the fact that during uh, Prohibition in the 20th century in America, when alcohol was outlawed, uh, Jamaican ginger extract, which was a pharmaceutical, Jamaican ginger extract uh, became known as Jake. It was used uh, to uh, create a, a form of uh, high-proof alcohol. Um, and so, you know, that's where Jake came from. Ginger in magical work in hoodoo, uh, gives a fiery form of protection and it helps heat up love and money spells. And some say that it helps heat up any kind of work. Ginger can be used for protection and in this, a whole dried ginger root. Uh, especially a a nicely made, nicely formed small one, helps protect from evil spirits, evil dreams, and being hag-ridden when placed under uh, one's pillow. Wild ginger tea uh, is used to wash the face and hands for protection and to ward off unpleasant dreams. And also one can keep ginger root chips in a muslin bag, a white bag, a tobacco bag, uh, in the house to protect the family from jinxes. You can also use powdered ginger as a yard sprinkle, uh, as well as using it across doorways to help stop the work of anyone who tries to cause trouble. And for this reason, ginger is an ingredient in fiery wall of protection powder and fiery wall of protection oil. So as we can see, ginger has a lot of protective qualities to it. And I would point out to you that you might want to make note of that connection with ginger right there and dreams, how it protects from evil dreams from hag riding and as a wash to keep away unpleasant dreams. And I would like you to consider that. I'd like you to consider how ginger and dreams and the protection of dreams goes together. As we said earlier, uh, ginger can be used to heat up love spells. And uh, it's very well known amongst those that do love work that the addition of dried ginger to love oils and to love powders is effective in increasing the heat of passion. So you heat up the passion in love work that way. Um, 
And it's also said that this heat brings faster results. Because of this, ginger can be used as a powder alone to be burnt on charcoal or added to food or tea. And it's sometimes mixed with cubus uh, when used in this manner. So there's a, there's another. So see, when he, it has that heat. And, you know, if you ever put a piece of ginger in your mouth, that it has that heat. Ginger also is very effective for making a hot gambling hand, speaking about that heat. And uh, this hot gambling hand, which has also been called a trio hand, is in, made in a red flannel bag. It's made with a whole ginger root, a whole John the Conqueror root, and a whole nutmeg. Each of these has been separately prayed over. Uh, one prays the 23rd Psalm over each, one at a time. So you play the 23rd Psalm over ginger root, the whole ginger root. You will pray the 23rd Psalm over the whole John the Conqueror root, and you will pray the 23rd Psalm over the whole nutmeg, and you will anoint each of them with fast luck oil. Then this trio is prayed over collectively in the name of the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost before all being placed into a red flannel bag. And this is supposedly a very hot gambling hand, very powerful uh, to be used, uh, but not for the long haul. This is hot and quick. So this is a hand that you would put together and you would use. You would use it a number of times, and then you would go and revive it by repeating the prayer and oil application process. Uh, because this is not a good hand to use over the long haul. Okay, So in other words, you use this for hot, fast, quick, good gambling luck. You use it maybe one or two times. I would say three times. And then you're going to go back. You're going to repray over each and anoint each herb individually with fast luck oil and the 23rd Psalm. And then you're going to again pray over them collectively when you hold them together in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Return them to their bag and start over like that again. Uh, so there is something you don't hear about much, which is a bag that you use for a set period of time. And then you're going to take the things out of it, repray and reanoint them, and put them back in. So there you go. That is that. Earlier, we talked about prostitution and sex ethics. And ginger can be used when you are starting up a new place of business for a club, for a restaurant, for a dance hall, or for a house, of, and you want that business to get off to a good start. To do this, first you would clean, and you would clean the premises out, clean the building completely out, give it a good cleaning, first of all, it's physical cleaning and a spiritual cleaning. But before you begin to decorate the place, so before you begin to decorate the place, to bring the furniture in, to set it up, 
but you've cleaned it, you would mix equal parts of sulfur with powdered ginger and then burn them on charcoal in the center of the place. Now, while you do this, you need to go outside while it burns because it's simply not safe to be in a place where you're burning sulfur fumes. Okay, like, you know, fire and brimstone, right? Don't stay in there and, you know, breathe in uh, sulfur fumes. So you're going to leave while the fumes are in the house or in the place of business in that in that building and then you're going to have to air it out because obviously it's going to smell like burnt ginger and brimstone sulfur so you have to go back in open up the windows open up the doors and then you nail after you've done that you nail a used horseshoe over the front door the sulfur will help purify the place the ginger helps liven it up and the horseshoe brings luck in at the door as to whether that horseshoe will be placed upright, facing up, or facing down, I leave that to your own culture to determine. Our segment for the In the Kitchen uh, comes to us each and every week from our own knowledge and experience, and also from the excellent book, Hoodoo, Herb, and Root Magic, a Materia Magica of African-American Conjure by Miss Catherine Ironwood, and we thank her greatly for its use and inclusion in the show each and every week. Honestly, folks, it's an excellent book. If you don't have it, you need to go and get it. Well, that pretty much settles things up for the evening. We have not heard back, nor do I expect we will hear back for a couple of days from Miss Loretta and our own Count Goulash, who ran off to Oklahoma. They eloped. They ran off to Oklahoma to get married. I'm I'm sure Gabrielle Swain approves, having uh, herself engaged in that time-honored tradition of running off to Oklahoma to get married. Uh, we've talked a little bit about ginger. It's an excellent, excellent, excellent herb. Check it out. Spend some time uh, this week. Uh, looking up on ginger, if you're not already using ginger, you need to use ginger. It just goes into so many different things. It's so useful, and it's so easy to find. You can find the whole root. You can find pat the powdered ginger. You can find ginger chip. You can find chopped up ginger. It's easy to find. It's easy to use. Take a look at it. We've talked about egg divination. Uh, you know, people ask me, why do you talk about the things that you talk about? How does it come together? Why does it happen? All right, folks, here's why it happens. We talked about egg divination because today is the autumnal uh, equinox. Okay, Today is the first day of autumn. And supposedly on this day, you can balance eggs. All right? <laughs> there you go. That's why we talked about eggs. We talked about ginger because ginger heats up love work. All right? It heats up passion. And today is the day of love and the day of proposals and our good friends, Miss Loretta and uh, Count Goulash ran off to get married themselves so we talked about ginger and we talked about sex ethics because well 
Um, it was talked about earlier this week on Candela's Corner, as well as being a part of a larger ethical conversation. And it began our fifth series now of pontifications, in which we will be doing pontifications based on questions and comments from you, the listeners. So if you, once again, have something you want to hear in the pontification, send it in, write it in, take some time, email it in to profporterfield at gmail.com, and your topic may very well be on the professor's pontification. As always, we are here because of the auspices of the very fine people at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company at 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Why not take a moment to check them out? We are very proud to have them as our sponsor here on the LMC Radio Network. Well, folks, Johnny's left. Patchy's probably gone off to make burgers back at home uh, under his set of auspices and rules about melting cheese and warming buns, etc. And everything else is cleared out. I, I guess this is it. I mean, I guess this is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. And don't back to fool with. Come on down to Dallas, drink cold kitty. Coming through the territory in Kansas City. And Kansas City, St. Louis, and St. Louis, Chicago. I'm on my way to the Pass on through. I'm on through, sir. 
You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.